we have to be lean and mean without being mean to the the, the customers. So we, we have this every day of our lives. So what do we do? I think we just be very selective in what we're going to do, very tactful in how much we're actually going to spend to, for the bang for the buck that we get. For me, no, none of that's changed. We've got really lucky that we were on the front foot with the COVID with the couple of the thank you videos and um, the latest one by supporting local. And, you know, it's a great ad where we've gone to uh, all the local people that we deal with as suppliers. And on top of that, there's a lot of people that haven't been able to spend any money on TV. So all of a sudden we start getting a heap of ads because we're spending money when when we were going to it was just part of our budget anyway but we rolled we changed the theme instead of going from product and price which we couldn't guarantee to keep up we went with um more uh, sentiment stuff and talking about like what we're doing and thank you and being grateful for the position that we're in because we know we're very fortunate to be selling food real people is produced by square holes an agency conducting and publishing customized explorative research on key consumer markets customers and population segments Squareholes also provides associated consulting and support to ignite positive business and social behavior change. Visit squareholes.com for more. Radio, hello there. My name is Jason Dunstone and welcome to Real People, where we interview average and not so average people, academics, researchers and leading thinkers to help us better understand what real people believe and how they behave. Today we're joined by JP, John Paul Drake, Director of Drake Supermarkets. We go on a fabulous journey going back to JP's entrepreneurial childhood, hear about riding the retail rodeo over the past few months and how a bit of right place, right time luck is awesome. We try to make sense of all the crazy hoarding and hear about JP's global social media attention for his one finger salute at the man wanting to refund 150 packs of toilet paper. This is a great chat about the importance of agility in business, standing up for your staff, particularly against the rare ass of a customer, how the waves seem to be bringing customer sentiment back to buy local and how JP and the Drake's team are leveraging this now into the future. We talk about marketing and authenticity against the supermarket juggernauts and a whole lot more. Uh, let's not waste a moment. On with the show. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Thanks for joining us today, JP. I'm going to start off with a question I've been asking recently. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling fantastic, actually. We're at day 35 of Mm -hmm. what we've termed as Corona Rush. And for us, it's been the busiest time we've ever had in our lives. So to be on the front line... And to be busy, continually, ongoing, 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 and you know, it's a little bit different. So, when did it hit? Was I? It was was actually a Thursday, about thirty-five days ago, and the sales were a record Christmas Eve. Yeah, so that would have been early mid-March. Is that right? Yeah, Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I'll I'll let you know because I I distinctly we we were trading, and we're like, oh my god, look how busy it is. And then the next day beat the record, yeah. and then the next day beat the record. And we did that for seven consecutive days. Yeah, ABS releases some retail stats properly next week, but 
they had some kind of prelim stats. I think it was showing like retail overall is up about 35% for March. And I think groceries up like fifty percent, and some products were up. Yeah, I mean, of, and, we, and, well, I'm happy to say we were we were eighty seven percent on last year, like for like yeah. uh, for week one, and then sixty nine, then fifty seven, then thirty nine, and last week's still you know it's over double digit. Yeah. So, so as a leader in a in a business like this, that's kind of being put as a an essential service. Yeah, how, do you, how do your emotions go throughout that time? Like obviously, you're dealing with stuff and getting toilet paper on the shelves and things like that. But how, does you, do you have an emotional ride, or you just go, uh, "This is awesome"? Ah, <laughs> uh, like I, I, I've absolutely loved it. The initial, oh well, it's a great day trading as as hard as we could, and then it got ongoing, ongoing, and then it gets to it actually got to a stage where it's like, oh shit, when's this going to stop? And the problem coming through was the the product supply. You know, lucky for us, you know, Drake's, we built a brand-new distribution centre in South Australia. When we opened, we didn't have enough stock in it. So the buyers, what do you think the buyers naturally did? They naturally then over-ordered, and we were sitting with $40 million stock when we should have only been sitting for about 25. And that process had then COVID-19 hits, and here we are with a warehouse with too much stock. So what it enabled us to do, it got us through the first one week and two week, and we were looking very good compared to our opposition, which is the Ugly Sisters and now Foodland's even our competition. And we were looking really good. And I was like, wow, this is a good sign. Because then, then what started to happen, we started seeing trading patterns change from customers that were shoppers, never heard of Drake's before, and because we just came out in the front foot, we, we had a great uh, spend. We did some amazing things in marketing in regards to we put out a thank you. Uh, we were the first first um, we were the first people actually full stop to put a thank you out to not only our team members but our, our customers to say thank you for supporting us through this and because it was challenging. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen all the everyone you know this twenty twenty will be known as the year of toilet paper and. It was punishing, and it was lots of verbal abuse going on to our front end staff. Some of these kids are fifteen years old, sixteen years old, and you know we were seeing that we were getting people understanding what we were doing because we were communicating the whole time mm. about this is how we do it. Yeah, and call it. I don't know. I don't think my old man is very lucky, very lucky, and you know he's a sort of guy. If you had a bucket of shit, he'll come out of the Mars bar. Um, and it's it's unbelievable to see that we finished the warehouse. We had six months of getting ironing out some things that weren't working and were working. And then COVID-19 hits in. We had too much stock, which meant, we, what te- technically meant, we had more stock than anyone else for, you know, at least three to four weeks mm. before the before we drew, drew all that out, drew all that and in a way, you can't plan. You, you can't plan that. That's just sort of the luck of the planets aligning, isn't uh, it? Really? It's, yeah, I mean, is that right? Is it to, obviously, it's planned to a, to a certain extent. But. Uh, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way you could plan for that. And when people heard about it, like the toilet paper, where's the toilet paper? Like, we in four weeks we sold nine months worth of toilet paper, and, and in nine days we sold a year's supply of flour. Mm-hmm. So I don't care how good your operations are, the manufacturers and the suppliers, they all they all were, were way 
you know, they were all sitting on three months stock or six months stock, and then that got drawn instantly, yeah. and that's what got us into the position. And well, yeah. we, we'd ironed out all the all the bugs. We'd had too much stock, and then we were hit with a, a situation where we were buying stock before we were paying for it. Uh, and you could imagine, you just build a brand new warehouse, you hundred and. $30 million, $135 million outlay, no help from the government. And all of that was private money, the old man's, and obviously banks. Thank you, banks. Um, but we go from being cash cash flow like rich to cash flow lean, and now we're cash flow rich. So Yeah, yeah there we go. Just <laughs> amazing. Yeah, um, just fingers we'll, crossed. Yeah, well, fingers. So you, if you want to now, ask... Can we, I'll, I'll come back to all of this, but one question we're, we're kind of keeping a degree of yeah, cool. consistency across the interviews. Yeah. And one thing we have to ask from the start is what were our guests like as an eight-year-old? What yeah, like I mean, I was, I was an angel. Were you? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I was one of these kids, um, you know, my parents divorced. Uh, I was quite young. I, was, uh, I think I was six. And I always had two competing parents... Um, wanting to show that their love was more than the other. And I picked this up pretty quick as a young kid, so I realised I could play them off to each other and get more presents from Dad than Mum would give me more. And, so, you know, so I, I played the field. Uh, I was, you know, I was when I was really young, I think I was in year six, uh, um, I was selling Ninja Stars, uh, making a huge profit. And then I... Um, <laughs> I don't know if you agree. Yeah, then I started selling, um, <laughs> let's just say, Triple X magazines at school where I happened to be able to get my hands on them. Dad owned a few news agencies as well, so I had a 100% uh, markup on all of that. Um, so I always wanted to trade, always wanted to, you know, it started with marbles and then Ninja Stars and then um, porno mags. Did that so, come with, like, entrepreneurialism in your DNA or was it just something that you was – it, was it about them? I, 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 a few people we've spoken to, when they're an entrepreneur as a kid, it is the money. It's not. It's not a passion for finding oh, something. It's, oh, it, is it? Yeah, I, I, I loved having the money, and I, I never spent it too. Right. So, like now, I, I think, geez, I would have my girls. I'd had money. I would get the old glass bottle, two hundred and thirty mil bottles, or one hundred and ninety mil glass bottle in a crate, and I was selling those at school. I because I was the only one getting hands on them, and kids would be able to get money off their parents, and maybe you know back then we were allowed to drink coke. There was no, there's mm. no problems with that now. My kids they can't touch coke. So for me, it was um, it was about the, the I like the trade. I, I've always thought if I could get something and then move it on and make other people happy at the same time, yeah, okay. and all of those things made people happy. Yeah. <laughs> so now so it seems like a silly question to say. How does your child inform your adult? <laughs> sort of things like so. Is that do you kind of do you yeah, see you as a kid and you as an adult is, is exactly the same? Yeah. And you know, did I want to be working in supermarkets? You know, I never believe I never knew that Dad's business was so big as it was. Um, going through school, I uh, went to PAC. Dad Dad left school in Gillis Plains High in Year Nine, uh, along with Theo Maris, and there's a couple of the big names in Adelaide there. Right? Yeah, wow. so they they took out their school teacher the other day. They took them out for lunch, so that would have been quite interesting. But they left early, and he wanted to send me somewhere where he never had an education. And you know, and <laughs> he, he, I'm not a I passed school, so I made it, and that was my only goal was to finish Year Twelve because I never knew what I wanted to do. I I just always had that mindset: whatever I do, I'm going to be good at it, and I just. 
I just kept on telling myself that the whole time through school. Academically, um, I, I would say um, I would say I'm a an average student, um, but moving forward, I think I was um, you know maybe dumb in dumb dumb in the dumb in the school, but smart on the bus. Like you know, it was a, it's one of those things. I think I can le- I look at it now with my mates that are all highly educated and whatnot and what they're doing and. You know, I'm really lucky right now. I actually love I love what I do and I've got a lot of autonomy now to be able to work on some of the media and the digital side and the things that I think are going to grow the business moving forward to communicate to our customer. Mm. So as a kid, I was a bit of a rat bag, um, not denying that, um, yep. but I was always doing something. I was into every single sport possible and I think I was a pretty good kid yep. in the end. I don't think I caused my parents that many dramas. Did you join the business soon after school? Yeah, I had a week off. I went to I went to schoolies at the end of year twelve <laughs> for one week, and I'm thirty years this year. So I've worked thirty years straight. No sick day, I might yeah. add, ever in thirty years. Pretty proud of that. So, did did have you kind of learnt how it all works? Is obviously over time. Oh yeah. Get, so like I, that I, I mean, and... pre pre that year twelve, I was collecting trolleys while I was, you know, dad. No, they didn't work Saturdays. They didn't work Sundays. Um, so dad would come in here in the mornings. I would do sporting. I'd collect trolleys in the afternoon, and then after I was doing night fill while I was a little bit while I was at school, and then after school finished, I had that one week, and then I've been full time ever since, and worked up from grocery to assistant nightfall manager, nightfall manager, every single department in the supermarket, also done category management as well. Uh, and with the senior supervisors, I spent three months to six months with them sitting in their pocket for the whole time to learn ground floor all the way up from the business. Because mm. we've worked with some family businesses over the years and one of the challenges is just building out that rapport and trust of the broader team. So obviously you've got yeah. that now, but... It, yeah. it, Totally. I mean, I've got a beard now to make me look older because <laughs> I, I do have that baby face. And when I was particularly younger, you get a lot of that. Oh, it's your father, you know, your boss's son, your silver spoon, you know, all of these comments. But they were all from people that didn't know me. Mm. And they were all from people that didn't understand that, hey, I've started at the bottom. And yeah, I've had doors open for me, but only because I've hurt them. Um and if I wasn't, and, and and like even now, if I'm not good enough to run the business, someone better will be. And happy days it makes my life mm. even even. So better. if you don't perform, you, you, you it's you, someone you, else. You get to move on. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. and you know, I might turn around in five years' time and go, oh, I want to take a year off and take the kids, you know, somewhere. Or I can't see it happening, but hey. Whatever, and the business I wanted to be able to continue to run better and ever, whether I'm here or whether I'm not. And that's solely how Dad set up the business. Is if Dad's not here, he jokingly says it runs better when I'm not here. Is that right? Uh, but you know, we've got a great team, and and the team is the whole team. It's not just it's not revolving around one or two or three people. It's revolving around six thousand people, and everyone has a place to and a part to play. In seeing Drake's, you know, currently in its current form, you know, supermarket, liquor store, newsagent, uh, warehouse. I mean, not to mention all the other things that we're going to branch into moving forward. So everyone plays that part and you need to understand and I need to understand that if someone's better, I need to acknowledge that and and then so then we'll take its own way. Yeah. So it sounds like your mind's always ticking about what? 
what Swags? happens next and what you're doing next. Oh, and- we we have to be. Ah, this is a brutal industry. We've, you know, this this Australian climate that we're in. We have two of the fiercest retailers in the world, and they have got a market share which is like any other com- country in the world, where there's no there was no market cap uh, for them to go. You know, seventy percent of the whole market is controlled by two players. That's not anywhere in the world. Not even in China. Um, but the, the the reality is for us, it it shows that if we can grow and continue to grow and make people understand, our, our, we're proudly Australian. Um, we've got Queensland and South Australia currently at the moment, and we need people to understand supporting local. And I'll I'll go down to local as in your local suburb, mm. your local area. And if you if you're not doing that local South Australia, local Queensland or whatever state that we're in. And if you can't do that, local is in Australia. And we are playing that game of saying we're here to support our local environment. And we put more more taxes, more money. This all goes back to building roads and hospitals and all that sort of stuff comes from us keeping our money right here in this country. And I want people to understand that loud and clear. Mm. And that's the big driving forward for us is about being local and looking after locally Australia more so than anywhere else in the world. Yeah, and that's certainly over the last month or so has been uh, the conversations turned to the importance of local, like the importance oh. of turned to the in, in supporting a local business over over a big juggernaut. I think that's been a really interesting change in conversation. Yeah, well, we we had the reason we can like trust what we're doing is because we're doing it Mm. first of all we're being we're being very open and in our communication we're being extremely honest in in fact telling people exactly how things are as as we know them um and in that process we're we're becoming very transparent in the way we're conducting our business and we want to make sure that as we do that we want to communicate this to the consumer so the consumer can see our values, see what we're saying, and then either want to do it or not. Mm. And, you know, and then, then the last thing we'd, we've got to do is make decisions that are led by the consumer. And in the past, the decisions are led by suppliers, mm. manufacturers saying, you've got to sell this, where we're flipping that around to say, hang on, if our customers, like right now, live example, our customers are asking for tags on Australian-made products, right? So... We have straight away gone into, okay, what are the South Australian-made products and can we put them as South Australian-made or, or Australian-made and identify them on shelf? Because people want that. So to me, customer-led decision. Were people wanting that six months ago, 12 months ago? No. People say they were, but no, no. is my answer to that. And now we're in a position where people realised, and I, I still don't think people realise how much we rely on... So what do you on... think's changed? What, why do you think people are suddenly... And it sounds like it's... it's be... It's around this COVID time. Yep. People have gone, we've got to support local. What, what do you think is happening? I think there's um, some pushback back from China, um, you know, realising that, hey, did, did, well, did the world find out about this quick enough before it, it, it's done what it's done? I think they saw things empty on the shelves for the first time in their lives and they didn't realise that that was because it was coming over on a boat or over on a plane. And all of a sudden, it's not there. And, you know, you're still seeing it now, week five, uh, still no hand pump soaps or very, very, very limited. 
Uh, I think people realised that, and I think people thought, shit, this is not good for the um, economy. And what what you can see is they have noticed it on the shop on the shelf, and all of a sudden that's brought some oh shit, maybe we need to look around us and support local. And mm. um, I don't believe it was in place six months ago. So no. it's not it's not just philosophical that locals are saying, wow, we've got to support local. It's it sounds like it impacts them. So they, yes, there's that philosophical we we want to support local for jobs, etc., and the economy. But also, if we haven't got local, then we lose our supply chain. A hundred percent supply chains a bit. The the big part is supporting jobs. Yeah. Like, okay. And I keep saying it's not if it's not Drake's you're supporting. As I said, you've got to shop. You need food. So hmm. lucky for lucky for us in this situation. Um, but if you want to support someone that supports you, so support something where your money is going to stay in the state, support something where your money as a consumer is going to go back into the community. And for me, that's not supporting Audi. That's not supporting Coles and that's not supporting Woolworths. It's supporting the local fruit shop, the local butcher shop, mm. the, the local food land store that's got the one operator where their money stays in. They, they then pay tax, full amount of tax, I might add, not, not slim down tax like some of the other players out there. It's a full 30, 31 cents in the dollar. That money's got to come back into our, our ecosystem. And if it doesn't, we're going to be caught out. And that, that's why we need people to vote with their feet. And, mm. you know, I, I talk about Audi a lot. Can I talk about people on here? I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, you know, They're they very good retailer. Like, the, you know, one of the best retailers in the world. And they, they know what they're doing. They came to Australia in 2009, I think 2008, just after the... GFC, they know when to come in because people, when times are tough, look at price. And their main main draw card was they were cheap. Australia was the first country in the world they introduced fresh food to because they know our consumers are, oh, oh, I'd almost said a lot more intelligent than the rest of the world, but the consumer expects to have fresh food where you don't, didn't get that in the Eastern, Eastern yeah, right, book, right? right? So they knew their model changed and they did a great job of, a great job mm. of doing it. But we need to, people to understand that you know a whole amount of tax comes here and stays here and goes back into the economy, and mm. um, I don't I, I want them to understand that. I, I know when people I, I've got this horrible habit of looking in people's pantries when I go around to their house, so and opening their fridges and throwing away products that are inferior, yeah. and in doing that, I you know I say why do you go there? Why why have you shopped for that? And it's it's the silliest stuff that that people go somewhere else to. And, and if we're not good enough as a local retailer, then fair enough. But I believe that definitely in, the, in regards to food, mm. we are. But we it are. is interesting. And I think it's a great, we interviewed a guy called C.M. Mac uh, out of Belgium, and he was talking about how people are coming back to local. Like, and that, this, is in, this is in Belgium, yeah. so they're, they're kind of having the same thing. So different people around the world are having the same thing where people have gone, wow, like they, they love... They love being part of a bigger world, but they're, they're really counterbalancing that, that now coming back to local. They're really pulling pulling back. And Brent Hill from Tourism was talking about their big push at the moment is getting, rather than going to Dan Murphy's, is to go and buy gin from a direct from somewhere. Yep. So, so that's almost like a – it's a really fascinating and great conversation that's changed that people are saying, well, it's almost like a definite thing that people are, people are queuing up to go to a butcher or like all of those things there that certainly weren't happening sort of six months or so ago. Yeah, and I'm. that's exactly what I'm seeing. Mm. And I, I say to Dad, like, Dad's been around a long time. He's, you know, Coles before he then went out on his own. So you're talking 
He'd probably be covering like 60 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. He'd he, he probably be covering 55 years, right? And he said he's never seen it to this extent where people look like they, and they're saying more, that they do want to support local more and more. And if that means bringing it back to the butcher shops and the, and the things like that, I'm 100% for it. Because to me, that's local. Mm. And if it's not Drake's, that's fine. It's still coming back into the economy. And that's what we need now more than ever because, unfortunately, there's going to be a bit of bloodshed coming up. Mm. And, you know, they lift a ban in three weeks or something like that. That's still a three months or so that you would you would start to talk that businesses, if they haven't had the cash flow to get through, you can't get the money from the government anyway because you still need to be paying out and that gets reimbursed. So at some stage, if you don't have that cash, you can't reimburse it, right? So. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's going to be a, a bit of a bloodbath coming forward. And In terms of businesses falling over and yeah, people losing jobs. Yeah, by not having cash flow. Mm. And, you know, we, you see it with almost any business. If someone, you know, they, they, they start to do well and they go buy a nice car and they buy a holiday house and, you know, take a few extra holidays, they go on a cruise, maybe not doing that at the moment. But, you know, they start to spend more and they haven't put that money away for a rainy day. And... Dad, I call him like a squirrel, he, he was sitting, we were sitting on a lot of cash because that made him feel good, right? Not, not good for the balance sheet, but in his mind, having this amount of money here made me feel comfortable. And he, he always said, we're going to need that. We thought it would be for acquisition. We thought yeah, we'd okay. be more takeovers, more taking over more retailers. But, you know, you know there's a long story with our, how, why we opened our own warehouse, but the moral of the story is... Uh, we need to control our own destiny. We're in, we're in charge of 6,000 staff members directly and then not to mention their families and their kids. And, you know, we're talking, we're, we're in charge of like 100,000 people and if we make a mistake or we slip up or we sell to Audi, there goes, you know, three quarters of your work, your work field, um, your workforce get cut cut off. So mm. that's why... You know, it's it, for us. It's about it's about being on the front foot and looking after our people and being generational. The business mm. is set up so I can't like if Dad dies, I can't have a party. Oh, we probably we, we probably would have a party because <laughs> he would like it to be celebrated. But we can't sell the business. Like the business is set up like the Mars family, um, and it's to be in perpetuity. I think that's the word where it continues to grow and grow and grow, and and the siblings don't have ownership in it. Yeah, okay. That's, so that's it's a, yeah. it is a definite. It's great because, you know, you could imagine family life in any situation when you're talking uh, sisters and brothers and, you know, it's not all normal yeah. and and I've seen plenty of it and I think that's a great way where you get paid for what you earn mm. and you get a couple of, you know, treats along the way. Yeah. There's, uh, Simon Sinek wrote a book recently called The infinite game so he talked about rather than having finite kind of very short-term visions to have yeah. infinite game so you, you as a business you must have a an infinite vision of where you're heading is yeah that? generational generational yep. yep and like you know people go oh your kid's gonna work in the business i'd, I'd be like i if they're good enough and they want to they'll be given every opportunity yeah. but if they don't i'm not going to hold it against them mm. uh, i think the business you know deep down inside you want you maybe want your kids to work with you because I never saw my dad as a kid 
until I started really working a lot closely, the better, well, I was still managing for 20 years or something. So, oh, maybe 15 years. So you don't have that close contact. But now I work with dad more and more and it's great. I love it. And if I can have that relate, well, I won't, I'll have a lot closer relationship <laughs> as kids with my girls. But, um, you know, being able to have that relationship now, it's, it's amazing. And I would love that. But I'd clearly want my children to make their own decision about mm. what they want to do. When and it is generational if you're talking about what yeah, we see. Yeah. We don't look at one-year, two-year, five-year, ten-year plans. We start looking a lot longer than that. Yeah, and I know of other, I guess, family businesses, for want of a better uh, – wanting to look for a better term than that, but sort of that generational business where they do have that. They'll go, we won't do this strategy now because that's for the next generation to to, um, to, to push forward. Yep. Um, when you have such an amazing March, April, yep. <laughs> and I, I'm assuming you're not sort of thinking, well, or you, I think you'd, you'd love it to continue kind of that level, but how do you prepare, how do you kind of, strategize so that kind of momentum gets maintained as much as possible okay so right now um because keep in mind we've increased we've increased sanitizing cleaning procedures to you know it's over two thousand dollars in wages per store so by 40 stores it's a quite a bit and that's every single week so for us we quickly have noticed that we've gone from 50 percent up to 30 in a week and your guys and girls, uh, they get excited about the sales being that. So they, it takes usually a little bit to pull back the wages straight away. So mm-hmm. straight away it was a wage pullback yeah. instantly where Roger, you know, dad, he, he said, bang, no, nah, I think. I said, yeah, now, because it started on a Saturday. So then by Monday, dad had sent out an email, all stores, pull back, you know, still have to keep your cleaning standards and whatnot, but pull back where you can because we've lost the traffic flow. So for us, the first thing we did was pull back wages. And we can see that in our figures. So when we say we're a lot slower, we're still, you know, still 20% up. Yeah. So we're, we're waiting for it to plateau, but we've kind of proven that people now, they're not going to restaurants and eating out. They are doing their Uber Eats and stuff like that, but in, in the reality is they're, they're cooking more at home. I would go to a function once a week. You probably mm-hmm. get asked to function. So that all of a sudden I'm not going to any functions now, so now I'm eating home. So we have seen people buy more more groceries and we, we're sitting in a very, very good position and we're still comfortable with five, week five um, and uh, it's still strong. So we haven't got too carried away and we've picked up on it very, very quickly because it's about a seven to nine day turnaround to order from a manufacturer for stock to come in. So when we were depleting the warehouse, we got down to like 15 mil in the warehouse. Now, now, now it's sitting around 29 or something. So we've, we're holding, in some categories, 12-week stock, but the majority yeah, of it okay. is almost back to So normal. very careful stock management and staff management of those costs going through. Some of the consumer brands we're dealing with it had massive spikes and they were dealing with production issues of how to get how to kind of keep the production up so we're talking about the idea of having a brand some of these are some of these are kind of notable brands i said we don't need to worry about our brand at the moment we're we're stressed out because we've got to keep the 24-hour production cycle ticking through but some of them were saying well our big challenge at the moment is going how do we get people to use the product so how do we get people to toilet paper is a little bit harder but but, 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 toilet paper i'm happy to say but but things like i know pasta and rice and flour yep, yep. and so, I guess that seems to be a challenge of going we want people to use it <laughs> so I, I I 
I really want to talk about what happened here in South Australia was with the pastor. So Dad's got a great relationship with Sam Remo, yep. the Crotty family. Instantly we started to see, oh, hang on, we because we, we were like the first. Like this wasn't really happening around the mm-hmm. world where people were panicking. It started to happen here and it started with toilet paper. And I, I, Is that right? So you're, you're, yeah, so, really so the other countries in the world were not being panicked enough to sell out and it literally once australia started the ball rolling you, you then then followed on to everywhere else because obviously we made bloody world news by by talking about toilet paper so we've been pretty passionate about it here for god knows what reason what people are doing with it but when we when we talked about that so he said okay i've got this so straight away dad relationship local support local bang sent us huge amount of stock we were the only supermarket chain to have pasta. So yeah, okay. I race cars in my spare time. Unfortunately, buddy, not at the moment. One of the guys I race with, Mark Lauke, Lauke Flower. And soon as we started to realise rice was um, flour was going, I rang up Mark. I said, Mark, what can we do? Like So straight away, formed relationship, South Australian, supporting local, tick, 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 tick. And it's only because of these relationships we get to have that privilege mm. of being able to draw on that. And that's helped us. It's helped our customers. It's helped everyone be able to get the products, albeit, you know, a bit patchy for times there, but it, we, we ramped it up instantly. Mm. And, you know, I've, people forget that the San Remo family have four warehouses in Italy making pasta. So they're very, they're very accustomed and they knew what was coming because Italy, they got shut down. So they, they couldn't even be making pasta. Mm. They're not that they ship it back to Australia, but it, they knew what was coming. So we, we just bolstered up on stock and we were really lucky. We, that only formed because of the relationship and supporting South Australian. We yeah. couldn't, that's why the Eastern Seaboard. So Still, if you didn't have those relationships, we would have looked would have like we would have looked like Woolworths was by far the worst. Coles did a great job through the period. Foodland, I'm not quite sure what was going on, but they were not as good as us, and we were looking prime because we had things that people didn't have, and I, it changed habits. It really did. It mm. changed habits, and I've got multiple emails of people that have said. You know what? Never been into a Drake store. Went in. Staff are fantastic over the COVID. Um, your, your, my experience is good. You had the majority of products. I'm never shopping at Woolworths again. And I've got at least 10 emails saying they saying similar stories because of how we, portray, we, we presented ourselves over a crisis time. Mm, that's amazing. And just um, as you were talking about relationships, we interviewed Elaine Benstead from Adelaide Zoo, the CEO there, yep. and she, when they had their no visitors and having to feed 3,000 animals, she rang up um, Roger and said, can you help us out? So, yep. so that relationship again, and yep. she was saying that if uh, this had have happened five years ago, the zoo would have been sort of stuffed. Yeah. And, but, but the fact that they had relationships like, um, like your business – was 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 great, and now with um, and Monado as well. Yeah, I know we're, right. we're 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 putting in a lot of stock there. That they're you know, they're, and then it's not for free. They're 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 paying for it. It's not mm-hmm. like it's a, we're a charity. Um, everyone, but it's, but it's been, access. It, yeah, yeah, it's access to the right people, and we were so quick to respond and just tell our story as it was. And I think people really appreciate that. You know, mm. don't forget we had a we had a COVID. We had a, a, one of our checkout operators that got tested positive with COVID nineteen. We weren't the first in Australia, thank God. We were first in South Australia, but how we dealt with that, I think, was another another testament to how we've been dealing with this through the whole period. And it was being on the front foot. 
It was telling the information that we had. It was being at the store by the executives. It was being at the store with the executives in the morning, settling customers down, understanding that this person didn't catch it in our environment. They caught it somewhere else. And you, you, but it hurt the store. Like, you know, but it was us telling the story and just being honest and open. And that's, that is just coming through. Our industry, and I'll say supermarket retailing, has never been able to tell the truth because of some of the things that have happened. And if we talk about dollar milk or you talk about things where, you know, farmers' lives have been destroyed because certain companies choose to go at a, at a market price that is, is not, not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just think that's normal and it's, it's disgraceful. Um, people have got to be told this story. And I'm quite happy to be on the front foot to tell this story mm. that that's an example, you know, screwing suppliers or, or, or farmers even more to get a cheaper product because that's what the consumer wants. The consumer has got to wake up and realize that no one wins with a dollar milk. No one. That's right. Um, they kept on buying it and that's half the problem. So it's and like, do they keep on buying it because what's, what's, they didn't know better or because just yeah, that's because they're saving their households need well, to save money. So, yeah. so they're saving money, and you know it's like coals and woolies, and oh, private labour is growing so much. It's only because they're it's all you can buy. Mm. Like so, I, I, you have a bay of private label bloody tomato sauce at, at, at the big chains. It's like there's a lot more fairer ways to get product out there, and people, and you know we're consumer led. So if a consumer's buying a dollar milk, we've got to have it. Did we want to do a dollar milk? No, we didn't. But we had to because that was led from um, someone that controls 70% of the market share. So it's almost like a herd mentality. Mm. And I believe that people are aware because of what's happened. Because you know, farmers didn't instantly go out of business because a dollar. You know, it, it took a few years to catch before we're saying we're going to match that price. Well, hang on, all of our prices have gone up. My grain's gone up. My... You know, my water's gone up and I've got to put my farm gate price up. Oh, my, my milk price up. Oh, sorry. Sorry, you can't do that. Um, that you've, you've committed to that price. And that, that is where people didn't quite understand. And now they sort of do. I don't believe they totally understand personally, but we need to make sure that consumers make decisions on not the cheapest price, but it has to be competitive. It, yeah. it has to be competitively priced but aware of ethical and unethical practices of different businesses. Totally. Do you, do you think, yeah? Oh, totally. Mm. And I think a lot of that has come out. You know, we've had the Slavery Act um, with products, you know, coming in from China that, you know, God, no, there's probably someone's paid a dollar a day maybe. Maybe that might even be too much, but yeah. they're living on site, you know, and it comes in, it's real cheap, beautiful. we got cheap product. Oh, that's all well and good, but... It's the, the new laws that have come into place. I think it's been a few years now for the ethical um, um, ethical practices. I'm not sure there's a nice term for it, but that has made a difference with making us a little bit more competitive. But the damage has been done. You know, we've closed manufacturing here. We don't have sell cars out of here anymore because you can't compete. Mm. Um, someone will love your brand and Holden and Ford. People, you know, people are passionate about Holden and Ford, but... In the end, it comes to a stage where it's got to be at a competitive price because people do care about price, unfortunately. They do. And do you think that will change? And I guess the big supermarkets, and we've heard stories from our own business of products being taken off the shelf and um, for no reason and, and, and being 
the big supermarkets have been very, very hard to deal with. And you'd go to, say, on a banking side, the Banking Royal Commission last year highlighted that, I don't know, the banks are not very nice and not doing things okay, but they're, but now in this situation, like, they're, they're both essential services and they're, they're turning back to be the nice guys. And do you kind of think that business for good will, that, that will change, that the, 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 the bad guys will become nice? It could never happen. No? No. I, I think when you have shareholders to answer for, when you're a big publicly listed company, you need to continue to give money back to the shareholders and that comes at a cost and that's at any cost. I, I don't think you get that with a private person. Like, you know, We've got a warehouse. We're going to have a cost plus model for it. And, you know, the old man's saying, or oh, whatever it is, I just want to make a, a few percent. No, yeah. not, not many people have that attitude yeah. to go, look, I'm lucky. Like, he doesn't need the business. He's got enough super to not worry about. He's very lucky, right? Mm. And he's always said, I don't want the business. I don't need to rely on the business moving forward. And it's a rare breed, but he's not the only one like that. Mm. There's a lot of private companies out there that think like that. So will people listen and understand that in time? I hope so. Mm. I... I believe so, and I believe there'll be some push, but people are going to still need money. They're going to still need to get loans. Um, and they'll. when someone has such a strong market share, and I think that's got to change, that's when you dominate where you are. I mean, you, you know, whether you're a fuel station and you've got 150 outlets, you, know, you can sort of have a bit of domination when you do that. And I, I think the problem's in the domination. And yeah, it's, okay. it's how it flows on to other things. You know, the amount of data that Coles and Woolworths has on the customers, it's frightening to see how people hand over flybys and Woolworths rewards without even knowing what they're using that mm. information for. They would know more about you than you know about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And once you start to have that data and start to churn it, they then cross-platform you. They know how much alcohol you're drinking. They know where you're shopping. They know if you're a premium customer. They know more if you're a budget customer. They know more about you than you. And they will start to deliver you things that you think are all things that you want. And it's very clever. And I don't know, if I had bucket loads of money, would I be doing that? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think I want to give my customers a more rich experience in regards to giving them value for your brand for their shopping. And yeah. it's a bit yeah. different. But it sounds like you've, you've got, a, as a business, you've got more, I guess, freedom to a certain extent. So you don't you don't have a... Um, you don't have to go to a board or money markets, for example. Like I'm, I'm assuming a bank has to go to a, has to show their share prices constantly going up, or the supermarkets yeah, as well. So, yeah, totally. so they, they they don't have that ability to say we're going to be. I think there's more money in being not nice than than to be nice. But it's like a, almost like an ethical decision that an independent group like you need to make to go. Well, no, we want to do it right and also make a fair profit, not necessarily just escalating profits. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah. It's. Ethical and banks in the one sentence. Um, but but now I guess the, the change at the moment is going. It's always like it's almost like counterbalance. Like growth has always been the way. Businesses have to grow. Yep. Through those listed yep, businesses, totally. yep, and now grow. maybe what we're saying because they they're likely not going to grow at the level they they would like to, or or they're not going. It's not going to be possible. Maybe it is more about kind of flicking back to sustainability and pausing. Like maybe they, maybe they're going to have a, a, a different take on what it means for those people, I, publicly listed businesses to be successful. I think banks are in an interesting situation because 
you know, you have a bank inquiry and, and their share price goes up. So like, so then you, you, you move on to that and now we've got lots of people in need, mm. lots of people that are extremely vulnerable right now and it, the, the scary part is a bank's going to look like your friend. Not saying that banks aren't a friend, so if anyone's listening to this, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not, but they're going to have to because all of a sudden that person that's been paying their bills over and over again is, is not going to be able to. Um, the bank's only concern is being paid back plus mm-hmm. interest. Yeah. So if you can continue to to pay that, if you can continue to get that from the customer, they don't want you switching because they they've already they've already calculated how much you're going to be paying back, right? So they need to work with the consumer, or in in the bank's side, they need to work with the consumer to move to make sure they get through the period, and hopefully they continue to grow their businesses back to where they were, so they at least can be on a level playing field. I think there's going to be a lot of bloodshed before that point mm-hmm. but i think they will be seen to be more on the side of the individual because they have to be yeah not because they want to so you know there'll just be another thing there which people have to understand that whatever business you're in whether it's the borrowing the money or you know you're selling food from from a restaurant you, you need to you either have enough cash flow to get you through back to normal or you're going to have to look for money from the government or from your bank or have to have that conversation because the last thing people want to see is people go broke. I don't think anyone wants to see no. that. And I, I think the other thing is you don't want to see people not be able to do what they've spent their whole life doing. And I think people need to be reasonable over that. And I think banks are definitely going to have to be reasonable over that. And I, I think they will be. I think, oh, I think they are, I think, aren't they? Yeah. The banks have been kinder than uh, they've been for, forever. Because they have to be. Yeah. Yeah, so right. I, I want to stress that that uh, this is not because <laughs> oh new business direction we're going to look after the individual more like you know it, it's I, I find the banking a little bit all over the place. One bank will say this and another bank will say this. I don't think it's as congruent. Um, it, they're they're all a little bit different in what market they're going for. Whether mm-hmm. they're more customer centric, more business centric. So, how does a business like yours deal with groups like Coles or Woolies who've not necessarily infinite, but they've got massive marketing advertising budgets. At the moment, it's okay because products are just flying off the shelf. But how do you manage that when they can spend, I don't know, 10, 20 million bucks plus and then you've got your, yourselves? How do, you, how, do you, how do you compete with that scenario? Well, welcome to my world. Yep. Um, this is exactly what's happening. This has happened since... Adam and Eve, I'll, I'll go to say, is that they do have unlimited budget. We have to be very tactful and we have to be very selective in how we spend our money to what what return we get. And we have to be very careful about how much wages we need to spend to get a certain thing, whether it's your data analysts or your retail analysts or people that are just doing data cleansing. You know, these are roles that we'd never had before. So all of those, we, need, we, we have to be lean and mean without being mean to the... The, the customers so we we have this every day of our lives so what do we do i think we just be very selective in what we're going to do very tactful in how much we're actually going to spend to for the bang for the buck that we get for me no, none of that's changed we've got really lucky that we were on the front foot with the covid with the couple of the thank you videos and um, the latest one by supporting local and you know it's a great ad where we've gone to uh, all uh, local people that we deal with as suppliers. And on top of that, there's a lot of people that haven't been able to spend any money on TV. So all of a sudden we start getting a heap of ads 
because we're spending money when uh, when we were going to. It was just part of our budget anyway, but we rolled, we changed the theme. Instead of going from product and price, which we couldn't guarantee to keep up, we went with um, more uh, sentiment stuff and talking about like what we're doing and thank you and being grateful for the position that we're in because we know we're very fortunate to be selling food. Yeah. So working out what the right message at the right time That's is. crucial. I think we nailed it. Yeah. Uh, and you're getting good deals at the moment that so you, so you can get. Well, the deals are pulled yeah. back. So so this is most people probably wouldn't understand this, but a lot of the deals have been pulled back because of the supply. Mm. And when we have promotions and we see people in the catalogs, and not people, we see products in there, they're all products that we're comfortable with supply, but a lot of the suppliers have pulled back um, monies because of the supply. So if we can't if we can't guarantee the supply, but it's it's not good. You know, we're not we're not Audi. We don't put things in catalogs that we can't keep up with for every customer. Not we don't just get four of them in. We want mm. them so every customer can come in. So when we do that, we have to be a lot more tactful, and it, it's been a lot trickier to be honest. Um, Things I think now, I'm starting to see stuff a lot bolstered in stores. I, I'm starting to see maybe not the whole range, but enough for us to go. Okay, there's product there. There's product in the warehouse. It's yeah, holding okay. on shelf, and the combination of it all together is coming back. Yeah, it is. It actually is. Yeah. Toilet paper's the last frontier because yeah. I was really concerned about rice. So rice is a big problem too. So you know, yeah, but I'm seeing rice in stores, and I'm seeing the, the 90 second. Microwave, yeah. world's best invention, put in the stores. Like it's 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 all back. So yeah. the so what that means is the promotional program starts. So we stopped yeah. doing catalogs. Yeah. yeah, we did, and for us that's a huge saving. But in saying I save money from catalogs, I've, I've more than double spent that in cleaning um, baskets and uh, keep peep yeah. and pin pads and checkouts. So you know you, you've got to balance up. When's the right change mm-hmm. and and. I kept on saying people were telling us for social distancing. In the end, everyone's responsible for social distancing where people are saying, you're responsible for... And I'm like, hang on, I can't control whether you're one and a half metres away from someone. It's you up to you as an individual. If you don't feel comfortable coming into our store because you think there's too many people, go. Yeah. Come back when you're comfortable. But... It's it, we 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 tried our best. We turn. We've got messages playing every half an hour. We got signs everywhere. In the end, it's up to the individual. So you know, don't put your hands in your face, and you won't catch COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Simple, unless someone spits in your mouth. But it's that simple. And that was the message we got to staff. And we spoke to a chief pharmacist from National Pharmacies, and she set the tone so perfectly that we used that information to go back to our staff and say, hey, we don't, if you think you want to wear a mask and whatever, that's fine, but this is the facts. The facts are, wash your hands, sanitise every transaction, don't put your hands in your mouth, whether you've got gloves on or not. And we sold that message. And I think we were extremely smart to do that. Mm. And we didn't rush and put perspex blocking off all my cashiers and making more fear for anyone that walked in, more fear for the customer, more fear for me as a, a checkout operator. Oh, I'm enclosed. Like an Audi, Audi does that, is that right? Yeah, yeah or yeah. Audi. Yeah. Woolworths rolled out every... Yeah, okay. That'd, that'd be $30 million. Wow. Okay. Like, we don't have that sort of... Like, I, can't, I can't spend that sort of money. Over what? I, I, I ask, who's making those decisions? Mm. Is that decision made by a retailer? Hell no. 
That's yeah. made by a lawyer. That's made by someone in HR. That's made up from an OH&S or, um, you know, it's made by someone that doesn't understand what is going on. And what's going on is we were talking to our people and hearing how they are scared, they are worried, and giving them information saying, this is the facts. And then you, you make your own decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, what we do. So you having a good good store experience, illustrating that safety, yeah, all those safety and cleanliness um, aspects and health aspects, talking about sort of the local and that, oh, my, that side, that's going to be really what you've been promoting, and yep. then the promotional stuff will start to kind of roll out in in. in in times to now, come. Actually, yeah, now yeah, I think yeah. uh, we had some digital catalogues, but you know, people like, I don't, I don't know how many people read, well, there's no real stat. For, no one's giving me a real stat on how much catalogues get read other than people that are doing surveys on them, which if, because you're doing a survey on them, you actually will then, you actually look at it, won't you? So, yeah, so for us, we, we're starting to get the, the, the cogs cranking again because we realise that it's just like that. It's back on. We're yeah, back, okay. back, in, yeah. back in back to normal. Again. So you're always thinking about what to do next. Very agile. Totally. Yeah. Agile. We're very agile. That's yeah. a good word. Um, your own kind of media communication, and that's obviously connected to the business and yourself. So you've got a podcast and you've got some weekly updates and the like. So tell me about that and where does that all fit? Oh, wow. So we, we a while ago, I'd, I've always liked doing videos, so that was that goes back a while, but then the busier I got, the harder it was to edit. So time. how long have you been doing videos? Uh, uh, so I've been doing them for probably 10 years plus, okay, but wow. as a business, a couple of years ago, uh, we sat, we're, bi- oh, we're building a warehouse. Uh, so we were doing videos before that, but the warehouse was when we thought, oh, how do we tell the message because people were saying our oh, drapes are going broke they're not building a warehouse this is all make believe and that was in the community so we said oh why don't we start filming it so we started um we had some retail wraps as they're called we put them out on linkedin and now youtube as well and they were telling a story of things that are going on in retail and um, we thought oh let's do these and see how it goes. Uh, I think we're at Retail Wrap 27 now. We now do Retail Snaps, which is a more in-depth. And all they were is to get information about things we're doing out to that industry and to our customers. And, you know, we, we thought let's be in charge of our own media because, you know, we, we use three, four different media agencies at the moment um, and they do different things. Like it might concentrate on digital, you might concentrate on print, you might concentrate on uh, TV and commercial. And we thought, how do we tell people exactly what we're doing? We do it ourselves. So well, this, this is the team, there's two, there's two of us. <laughs> um, but we, we've got now a video editor, videographer, he edits as well. And we piece together the pieces that we want to get together, and we got, and that information then goes out into a package in visual in a video, a little bit light-hearted, but real at the same time. And yeah, so we've just been going with the the format of getting talking about the industry stuff, not just strokes. And a lot of people in the industry like it, like lots of Coles, Woolworths. They watch all of our videos, and um, I think you know we. Uh, um, I give it to them when I feel is, is necessary, but I also give them thumbs up when they do things right as well. Yeah, so, okay. so, yeah, if, if anyone, if any of your listeners are listening, we've linked in uh, J, John Paul Drake, I think, and YouTube, JP Drake, and we've got, you know, we've got the podcast as well, which I, I really enjoy the podcast. Mm-hmm. I like, I, to me, 
uh, I get to talk how I, I feel uh, uh, is needed, and I do change my mind. Like sometimes, if I was having this conversation tomorrow, it might be totally different. So yeah, that's why yeah. I like this format because right. of as of right now, like the first thing you ask me is how I'm feeling. Um, you're really excited because I see what has happened over the last five weeks, and I think we've set ourselves for all that work that we've been doing for years. So everyone thinks, oh, you just did that. No, that's years of work to get our, our face out there and, and our brand out there to, to, to changing the alignment, which we did when we started to do the warehouse. The warehouse was the first thing when we said we've got to be open, honest, um, trustworthy, transparent, and customer-led. That, that all came from when we started to do the warehouse, and that's flowed you know, now for almost two years now. But it's now flowed on from the start of the build of the world. It's flowed to what we've got now, and it's a good base to say, hey, we are different than Coles and Woolworths. There's no doubt about that. We are different than Foodland, and we need people to understand that we're a serious player too, and we're only in two states at the moment, but Australia's a big place, so there's plenty yeah, of other. But, but so. keeping the balance in your content of it's serious and here's the serious stuff, but yeah. also there's a... Yeah, it's a, a bit of fun. I mean... Personality and... yeah. Um, and you can do that because it's your business. Like it, it, 100%. And that was If you biggest. were doing that for Coles, I'm assuming they're going to go, hey, JP. You <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Coles would have let a few of the things we've done go live, but, you know, the flipping the bird piece that went around the world. Tell me a bit more about that. Some of our guests, or some of our All listeners, right, sorry, so, not guests, listeners would so know we, that. So we had a retail wrap. So actually, the team was a bit disappointed. That actually, all the people on the team were sort of saying, ah, oh, a bit boring retail wrap. Like, you guys, it, the content wasn't punchy enough. Like, you know, so we have these, a discussion between about five of us, all the, and it goes all night, all day and all night on, on a feed of just giving each other a feed over it. And then someone picked the last minute of that wrap uh, there's a customer that came in, tried to return, oh, rang up the switchboard, tried to return 150 32 pack toilet papers, 151 litre sanitizers, liquid gold. Um, his eBay site got shut down, so he was clearly profiteering from that. And he, he in the end, he even offered 30% off, and we just said no. Nah. Because we made a call. Woolworths actually said we're not taking back toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Yeah, okay. And we went, you know what? That's right. I don't. We don't want to do this. So we held firm on it. And in that retail wrap, I said a lot of profanity. Like, oh, you could imagine. <laughs> I can't repeat it here. But in the end, they let me just give give the bird to this. To, like I said, that's what I think of that. And then someone got that piece and that went literally global. Like, uh, you know, Fox News and... You know, Fox 8 and you know, Daily Mirror in the UK and it had 30, 30 radio interviews about it and I don't know, hundreds of thousands. So of what do you think it went global? I, I believe people and I talk about the team all the time because to me I, everyone's part of this part of this, this you know, beast that we are. Everyone's part of the, the roller coaster of the ups and downs and I want my people to understand that I have their back. And we'd have people melting down in stores. We'd, we'd just released a video called, um, I think that's what we called it, Humans Aren't Robots, or uh, We Are Human or something like that. And our, our frontline front staff were getting hammered, like to the stage where they're crying. And we've yeah, got okay. a really good video on it to watch because I went and interviewed them and they go, can I say what I want? And I say, yeah, say whatever you're feeling. And, you know, they're, they're breaking down. They're saying, people, just we're not hiding things. We're trying our best. We're, we're and, and this is consistent customers 
getting annoyed, yes, getting angry. Consistent. Wow, isn't this? Wow. Uh, it's a good video to watch because yeah, you I'll can see it in their faces. They're, they've, they've had enough. And I I thought, okay, well, let's be on the front foot with this. So we, we did the, the did it, didn't think anything of it. And two weeks later, um, someone sent me a message. One of the radio stations did something and I thought it was just a photo, just it's something I'd normally do. Yeah. And then next minute was like, I think people, it really resonated with people understanding the frustrations in Beanham Retail, understanding that, that the information coming out, everyone was a bit scared and, and not sure what was going on and understanding that we'd had an F enough. And I'd had enough. I'd heard it so much. I'd seen it because I've been, I was on the front line. I'm in the stores and I could hear people getting angry and angry. It's like, don't you think if I had toilet paper, I'd sell it? Don't you think if I had flour, I'd, I, whatever we've got, we had? And I think the whole country has been frightened so much by information coming out, um, full lockdowns, well, not full, but heavy lockdowns. And let's face it, Australia and South Australia specifically has done an absolutely unbelievable job about shutting down. But to what price is it going to be on mm. the economy? So. Mm. So I think people had enough and I think it resonated with people because, you know, I, I walk into Woolworths now and I, I have staff come up to me and go, thanks for what you're doing. We all really appreciate yeah, it. Wow. And to me, that shows that people understand. We get it. Like we're not sitting in an office ivory tower where we don't know what the hell is going on on our shop floor. Our, our exec team is in the shop, most of them, not all, but the ones that actually make the difference. They're on the shop floor. They're listening to staff. They're listening to customers. And we know. So we're not, you know, we're not in an ivory tower making decisions from, you know, people from HR or OH&S. We're making decisions because we're retailers. Mm. And does that please everyone all the time? No, it doesn't. But mm. it makes us know what our people want. And I think the whole world just wanted to see that because they're like, they're over it. And people profiteering when people are vulnerable, I've got a major problem with that. I'm all for making money. And I'm all for, if someone wanted to buy a 32-pack toilet paper off me and go sell it for five bucks more, I'm all for it. Like, I, I don't, that doesn't bother me. But when they're selling it for $60 more or, and, and it's something that people really wanted, it really, it really irked me. Mm. I, I, I'm a lot more calmer now about it, I think. I, I think now I've calmed down on it. But it was really getting to me because I was like, where is the stock going? Like, it, it, we couldn't figure it out, and then I, saw, I caught I caught a lady. Caught a lady came in. I, I was I don't know. I was in the car park. I think I was at chemist, and I went. Has she just got a carton of toilet like nine pack? It was a carton, and I was filthy. Like so, I came into the store to have a go at the store. Going, what are you doing, letting people walk out? Um, walk out with that? Well, you know, there was no no limit. This is just as we started the, the limits, and then she came back in. And to get another one. And I went, no. And I said to her, I said, no, not here. And Les, so the store manager, said, no. I went, so then she came, I was in the health and beauty aisle, and she filled up a trolley of hand hand soaps. like, wow. a, like a, So she had 40 hand soaps in the trolley. And I came up to her, I said, what are you doing? She says, oh, this is friends and family. I said, no, it's not. I said, no, get out. And in the eye, I, I, I fucking lost her. I said, get the fuck out of here. I said, I don't want you in here. And she goes, I'll go to Woolworths. I said, go to Woolworths. Stay at Woolworths. Never come back here because mm. that person was taking product that my customers were missing out. And that was the p- bit right. that really pissed me off. Mm. And I've heard of stories of people having bus bus loads going up to the regions well, and out to there and, and clearing the shelves there. So you're going, wow, that's quite... York Peninsula. Quite, 
definitely happened. Yeah, wow. So this sort of stuff that people just can't imagine, it's happening. And, you know, they're buying product. So for a short period of time, early stages there, China had called back that they wanted all the hand sanitizer, hand soap sent back to China. So that's that's what they did. So a whole lot of these Daigos, family members, whatever you want to call them, they bought all of it and sent it back to China. Mm. So... Interesting. It came from there, but they knew that China knew before anyone else that hang on, this is a problem. Mm. And then, great, the, the government perfectly said, "You, oh, I, don't, I don't, I don't know exact words of it, but they said we're not. You're not allowed to send. It's illegal to send things, uh, hand sanitizer and toilet paper and hand soap. It's illegal to send it back to China or out of Australia. I was mm-hmm. wondering something like that. Perfect. So what that did is stopped them all. Mm. But they didn't say it with baby form. But it has been an interesting time about sort of human behaviour and ch- like even after the bush bushfires seemed to be a fair bit of kindness. It seemed like people wanted to support the bushfires, yep. and then COVID came along, and it felt like it was self-preservation to start with. Like people kind of just kind of have like they've had all, all their bunkers and trying to get enough supplies, and and then it came back to kindness. So like, how do you kind of bring that all together? Bits of kindness, bits of well, bits of self-preservation. We- yeah, we've set, we've seen the best and the worst in humankind by the bushfires, and then very quickly um, we rocked into COVID, and now there seems to be oh, hang on, where's the care? Yeah, self preservation. I think everyone naturally, everyone naturally goes through that process of looking after themselves in some way or another. Mm. But it was so extreme, wasn't it? <sighs> Most st- people found it funny, but then they well, then, it, it, then they got scary. Well, yeah, that's right. And, and and unfortunately, the people that didn't panic got caught out, and it's ridiculous. Look, it's crazy. It makes no sense. We still we still don't know. Yeah. Trust me, we don't we don't know why toilet paper was the catalyst, but it was. If toilet paper wasn't like it was, uh, we no one would have worried. But it, the, the flow-on effect from toilet paper meant that tissues disappeared, meant that paper towel disappeared, and then all of a sudden anything paper disappeared, and that's what caused the panic. We start, and everyone's like a sheep. We started off right at the beginning, got a bit of an insight into you as a kid, entrepreneurial, etc. sometimes good and sometimes <laughs> a little bit sneaky. Um, you've got kids? Well, how old are your kids? Yeah, four and five and six. Yeah, so if you... We're giving them some advice or even younger people or people young at heart. How do you think they should be looking at the future, doing, driving the future? I think it's crucial for people to find what they love. And I totally understand that not everyone can find that. But I believe everyone has a passion in something. And whether that's... Oh, collecting stamps or you know trading baseball cards or 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 you know horse riding whatever it is if you can have a job that lets you be able to do something that you have a passion in lucky you but if you have something that you can do a job to earn a certain amount of money and you can make extra money if that's what you want to do on the side with something you absolutely love you're in a great position for it and i, I think life is so short you need to work your way up don't get me wrong uh, but I still think that you need to do something that you love. And I did I always love doing what I'm doing? No, I didn't. And it's really tough being a store manager. Like, you know, that, that's the toughest role, I believe, in our business. It's, it's full on. Like, you've got to, you know, I don't like things the same every day. 
So to me, uh, I would be giving advice of find something that you truly enjoy doing and you won't be, you won't feel like you're working. And if you do have things that you're passionate about, make sure that you, you continue to do those, even if they're not going to give you the full monetary requirement that you think is needed. Mm. It, but it might give you the, the happiness in your mind. Being happy in the mind is far more important than anything else that you'll find on the planet. And once you can be happy in your mind, then everything else just becomes a blur. Yeah. Now, we're doing this recording at your studio, at your office, and behind <laughs> you is a, a wall that's it's got a JP and then got superheroes. Is that is that something that you've got a, an interest in or is it? I'm I'm mad comic collector when I was at school. Uh, the first stuff I started, that's what I started spending all my, I own vinyl, I used to DJ, so I, I spent all of my money on comics. I still have all my comics all perfectly put together. I I don't see myself as a superhero or anything like that. I've had lots of comments like not all heroes wear capes because of the front line, but the reality for me is I I do enjoy things that I'm passionate about, and when I'm passionate about things, people know about it. And yeah, I'm very passionate about comics. I'm not. I don't have the history that I used to have of comics. Yeah. I used to know a lot. What did you love about comics? I I liked the fact that you you did have a good versus evil and in comics it goes either way like it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean the good person always wins and like I, drakes versus Woolworths. yeah i see that a lot in my <laughs> life uh, david and goliath like you know whether you're taking biblical stance or you with comics they do go backwards and forwards the whole time I, like and you can't quite tell with a comic if they're good or bad so certain characters uh, were intriguing to see if where they would would, would would turn up and how they would perform throughout the life of a comic, whether they were an add-on in a comic or they had their own. Uh, to me, I found it very fascinating to see what what the difference was with them, and I think that's a lot in life. Like you talk, we you mentioned before about having a roller coaster that goes up and down. That's exactly what I think life is about. It, it is a roller coaster mm. up and down. Business is exactly the same. Not always completely happy. It's goes up, yeah. down, round. Yeah. And, you know, you have your good and your bad. So I, I think that's exactly what happens through various levels of comics as well. Yeah. So how can people find you? What's the best either social media way? Um, or? Well, so I LinkedIn, we're pretty we're – pretty, that's probably our biggest platform that we work in. Uh, YouTube, we're on JP Drake for YouTube. We've got the podcast, which is Ducks Don't Get Cold Feet. Um and pretty much Facebook as well. So JP Drake AU. I've, I've tried to separate my my family Facebook with with a business one, which is a bit well put all my business stuff out there, and try to keep the business one just. Um, and then I got a website. If anyone wants to find anything, it's jpdrake.com, and literally everything I do is on that. All right, we'll put all our links onto the um, the show. Champion, thanks Thank a lot, mate. All right, good on you. 